You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. I want to take a moment before we transition to this next part um, to just take a moment to pray for, thank you, brother, um, to pray for what's happening in the world around us. Um, it's just difficult to see uh, the, the craziness happening in Europe and Russia and Ukraine, and um, surely we don't know all the details of all the inner workings of, of such events, but we do know that there are humans that are dying, that are scared, that are running, that are persecuting, that are doing all various acts. And there are Christians who are in both countries, and there are Christians who are running and fleeing for their lives right now, and Christians who are hurting because their country is doing something that is seemingly evil. And so we can pray. There are some relief efforts uh, at work right now. I, I'm holding off on presenting them to you because it's still new and we're trying to figure out some things through Church United. But um, be on the lookout for some of that if it is a way that you want to participate in this. But for today, I want to pray. And so let's go before the Lord who knows all things, who sees all things, who is sovereign over all creation, and though we don't understand much or maybe any of the events that are transpiring, but we can go to him and ask for help and mercy. So let's pray. Father, we, we give you thanks. As we celebrate life now uh, of these two beautiful children, God, we also realize that right now there are many lives in danger, many lives lost, Many people created in your image struggling to find answers, struggling to find hope. God, we pray for hope. We pray for help. God, we pray that this war would cease. We pray that there would be peace, that there would not be a single loss of life from this moment Onward, But we know, God, that this isn't the only place in the world right now that is going through war and, and persecution and, and trouble. But we do see it as a highlight for us, God, to come to you, the Lord of creation. And we ask for help. We ask for the world leaders that are involved in, in all the negotiations and the sanctions and the, the responses, God, to give wisdom for our own country and, and its participation, God. We need wisdom. For our leaders, we pray for wisdom. Lord, you know all things. You see all things. We are but dust compared to you, God, and yet you, you choose to engage with us and love us and you care about life. And so we ask, God, for you to move powerfully in this situation in, in Ukraine, for those who are fleeing for their lives, those who are scared in bomb shelters, for the children, for, for the orphans, 
God, we, we plead the blood of Jesus, God. And now as we open up your word, would you reveal to us our own need for help, our own need for a savior, our own need for wisdom, for, to, to convict us of the areas in our life where we are, we are hurting others, where we are persecuting, where we are trying to learn how to forgive and try to, to deal with relationships and deal with our, our, our lives that, that tend to be so uncertain. Help us, God. Show us who you are as we read your word now, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, church, we are going to be in the book of Ephesians. We are continuing our study in Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> We're going to finish chapter 3 today. So let's look at what the scripture says. If you need a Bible, there's one uh, near, your, near your chair. Uh, if you're going to follow along, we also have it on the screens. And this is what the word of God says. For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We're going to talk about love today. How do you measure love? How would you measure love? I mean, this is a question we, we, we have to deal with. It's, it, it, there's so many characteristics about God and, and about ourselves that we deal with day in and day out. And this is one where I think we think we understand it well. We think we, we got it. We think we know what love is and how to, how to figure it out and who loves us, who doesn't love us. I know if I love you or if I don't love we, we We operate in these categories that are so, in our minds, clear-cut, but they're very difficult. Like, you can't take out a ruler, a scale, a measuring tape. There, there's... We jokingly like create these like love tests. I don't know if you've ever been to like a cheesy restaurant that'll have one of the machines, or they maybe they don't have much anymore, but they used to be like, and you like put your finger on a sensor and it would tell you like you know how much love you have in your heart, and and they have like they have these tests even online, and so I was like, oh, let me take one. Um, it's called the uh, the the uh, the love calculator. Like, oh, this is good. So what you do is you punch in your name and you punch in the name of your crush. And then it tells you, like, what are the chances that it's going to work out? So I did it. I put my crush in. Sniggy. I put it in. And 
This is what the results came out. It comes out in a percentage. Uh, Nikki and I got a 0%. <laughs> I swear. This is not just for effect. This is what the explanation said. Dr. Love, that's, that's who is running the site. <laughs> Dr. Love thinks a relationship might work out between Adam and Nikki, but the chance is very small. A successful relationship is possible. Do not sit back and think it will all work out fine because it might not be working out the way you wanted it to. Again, the chance of this relationship working out is very small. So even when you do work hard on it, it still may not work out. <laughs> the love doctor, the love calculator. Well, love calculator, it has worked out. Yes. 21 years of marriage, it's, it's worked out. Yeah. This is, this is a challenge for us. How do, we, how do we know? How do we measure love? Like, is it a feeling? Right? That feeling you get when you first start a relationship with someone, you grab their hand, there's like electricity that comes, and you're like, oh, that must be love. What happens 21 years later when you grab that same hand and you don't get that electric shock of, because it does change. Is it not love anymore? Sometimes we, we like to play it like that. Is it a feeling? Is it a number? Is it, is it a number like how many friends you have, how many likes you have, how many, how many people you have in your network? Is it how many times someone says the words, I love you? How do we know? What is it? See, we, we need a better picture of love than what we have, generally speaking, right? I mean, we, we need a picture more than, more than the love calculator online, more than the, the conversations that you're having with people in your life that you love or don't love, and, and you're constantly measuring it, right? Like going... Yeah, well, you kind of, you, you, you looked at me weird today, and so love, uh, you know, I don't love you right now. And, but, you know, you bought me this gift today, so you know what, I actually do really love you. And it, it must mean that you love me. We, we need a better picture. We need something. Because we have a problem with love. We have a problem with understanding it. We have a problem with measuring it, applying it. We, we fall in love quickly at times, and we fall out of love quickly. What I love today may not be what I love tomorrow. And as long as you're doing something that, that, that feeds me, that pleases me, then I'm going to give you my time, my attention, my money, my resources. But as soon as you begin to bore me, I'm out. Cancel. And part of the problem is we only have one word for love. We, 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 it's such an overused word in our language. We have one word, you know, I love my wife. I love Coke. I love peanut butter. I love the beach. I love, you know, Hawaii. Like, whatever it is, we love so many things. And yet we, we have a hard time still understanding what love is. In the ancient world, in, in the ancient Greeks, there were six or seven words for love. In the Bible, we see three main ones. We have what's, what we would consider the lowest form of love or the, the, the most craving type of love, which is eros love, which is that 
it, it used to be like they used to associate it with the belly because it's this form of attraction like, oh, man, I see a hamburger, right? <laughs> I love that. Like, my belly wants it. There was philia love. That was more for like pictured from the heart, right, brotherly type of love. That's where we get the word like Philadelphia. And then there was this other big word called agape, which was more, more than just attraction. It had to do with affection. It had to do with sacrifice, unconditional elements of how we love. And that often the Greeks used to connect that to the mind. See, and here's the reality. What wins generally, the belly or the mind? Come on. Yeah, I don't know. I think sometimes my mind wins. No, your belly wins. Right? This is why diets are so hard. Your mind says no. Your belly's like, oh, yeah. I'm eating. But the highest form of love is this agape form. The lowest form is this eros love. And, and we flip it all the time. We are constantly trading one for the other and saying, no, what feels good, what looks good, what smells good and tastes good, that's love. And that's going to that's gonna feed me. And that makes me like, that's the excitement. But it's, it's, it's more, right? It, that love can be so shallow and selfish. And if we start evaluating our life, and we're going to look at that as we go through this passage more, if we evaluate our life in terms of love and the application of love, we have to do some, some work and realize one word just isn't enough, but how I put that word into practice is everything. See, God, through Paul, helps us here, right? He, he wants us to understand that love is something so much greater than a, than a, than a feeling or just feeding our cravings with whatever tastes good today. So Paul, right in the, in the middle of this letter, chapter 3, this is the, the last part of Paul's communication to us about who we are before he starts talking about what we do, how to put this into practice. We've spent all of chapter 1, 2, 3, sitting in this and going, okay, God loves us. God is this. God is that. This is who we are in light of who God is. That's what we've been spending so much time, who we are before we understand what we do and understanding that this big picture of, of God's work in creation, this big picture of Jesus's work is to unify all things to himself, to bring all this diversity in creation to one, one new man, human, that is the, the picture we get of love through Jesus and what he did for us. And so Paul gives us a better picture of love. He gives us a tree. That's the image we get. We get a tree. Now, here's a tree. This is the largest tree in the world, not this, like, just that tree, like the largest trees in the world. These are the, the redwoods on the Hyperion Coast. Okay, These trees can grow up to 380 feet, 400 feet. I mean, head above the rest. I think we have a couple more here. You can see just how enormous, that's a human, hanging from said branch, okay? Huge trees. They can live for 2,000 years. 
Their root system spreads in a in radial fashion, a circular fashion, out from the core up to 80 feet. I mean, they're giant. Look at the, look at the size of this tree. All started from the smallest seed. See, Paul, later, in, right at the end of this passage, he says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Like, from the tiniest bit of faith that we have, God can do amazing, huge things. Grow, grow us into this kind of tree. This is the image we're to get. That, that Paul prays for this church, this church that he loves, this church that he started. He's in prison talking to them, encouraging them. He's not writing to them saying, hey, get me out of here. I got to get out. It's time. Please come and get me. No, he's saying, look, I'm in here for a reason, but I want you. My prayer for you, I pray for you all the time, and my prayer for you is that you would be strengthened in who God is. He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. It's beautiful. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you. And then he starts talking about these things that God, he wants God to grant. He goes out of his way to tell them how much God loves them and how much Jesus gave to them. And he prays that they would begin to know the love of God, just to, just to grasp a little bit of the love of God, to, to start to comprehend the love that God has. We think we have it, right? We think we understand exactly how God is supposed to love and we think we understand how we're supposed to love. And then when God acts a little bit differently, we say, you're not loving. That's not, that's not what love is. How could you be loving and do fill in the blank? Paul's in prison writing. It's like, I, even in this, even in me in prison, I want you to start to grasp how amazing God is and how big his love is. That's the prayer that we should have for each other. If you're praying for people in your life, maybe that don't know God so well, or maybe that are going through struggles, maybe our prayers should, should, should be that big that, oh God, would you let them start to understand how much you love them? Because here's, here's the deal. When we understand God's love, we are strengthened, and it filters into all the other things that we want to do. Do you see, he's not telling us yet how to be a good dad or husband or worker He's saying i bet if you under, if you could just start to grasp how much god loves you 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 it will change the way that you parent it'll change the way that you do your job it'll change the way that you see people who are different than you who 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 have different thoughts who have who have different looks who have different bank accounts who have you know whatever all the differences is i mean that's that's what diversity is that's why he's saying i'm bringing all things into one so that we are made one with him and then we become one together see, the way that we find this kind of strength and power is by giving ourselves to God's love, putting our hope in it, our trust, our faith. And, and as he puts it, 
that you would be, and this is the tree image, that you would be rooted and grounded in what? In what? Love. What are you rooted and grounded in? Right? What are you rooted and grounded in? We, we, we all are rooted and grounded in something. We find security. That's what rooting and grounding is. We're going to talk about what roots do. But like as we think about roots and the system of that big tree, you know, the, the roots that go into the ground and, and, and keep it strong and stable and fed, what, what are the areas in your life that you find yourself hoping and trusting in, being rooted in? Is it job security? Is it money? Is it the government? Is it your spouse? Health? Your identity? Respect? Significance? Any of those things, right? None of them are bad. But when we, when we start to see them as the source of our strength and security, it becomes all kinds of bad. Because being rooted and grounded in God's love will, will strengthen us, will sustain us, will give us power. That's what Paul says. But all these other things, when they become our source of grounding, our root, then we're in trouble because they fail. They promise security. They promise stability. They promise all the things, but they fail us. They don't root us properly. And so Paul's telling us that only God can be the source of our security because he doesn't fail. So Paul prays for the church to be rooted and grounded in love, not just any love, but the love of God, the, the, this the Bible tells us, God says, I am love. God is love. He, he doesn't just define what love is. He is love. Like we get what love is because of who he is. And that's how we need to understand the beginning points of love. And so when he says be rooted and grounded in love, we're going to look at what that means, root. What does the root even look like? What do are, what are roots do? And then not only that, but what's the fruit of that? Because roots and fruits, that's, that's huge when you're dealing with trees. The root is what gives the tree growth. And then what comes off of the tree in the end is what we get to feed on and what makes a difference in the world around us. So root and fruit. What do roots do for a tree? I mean, this is the metaphor Paul wants us to understand. And so we, we need to pick this apart for a little bit. So I'm going to give you some connections here, what roots do and how they impact. And, and we're going to translate that into our own life and how that should look for us. What do roots do? Here's the connection points I want you to make. Roots and their connection to strength. Roots and substance. Roots and surrender. And then we're going to look at how the, the fruit of that impacts our life from, from this passage. But as we think about roots, we think about strength, right? Roots drive us crazy here, man. They, they are, we just took out two gigantic, three trees from our parking lot because the roots were killing everything. You were tripping over them. You're welcome. You took the trees and the trees are gone. No, but the root, I mean, that was the part. It wasn't the, just the tree itself. It was like the roots are breaking everything up. I got a tree in my front yard. The roots are growing up under my driveway, under my walkway, and I, I just hate them. But there's a purpose for them. That tree stands because that root is there. 
Those roots are there to give strength, to keep the tree from falling down. So when Paul says, I want you to be rooted and grounded in God's love, what is that root going to do for you primarily? Being grounded, rooted in God's love is going to give you strength. Paul prays for it twice in verses 16 and 18. Not that they would just get stronger, but that God would grant them strength. Again, it comes back to who God is, and he's the one with the power. He's the one with the strength. And so when we want, when we want to grow stronger, we want God to grant us that strength. We want to go to the source, strengthened with power. If you are a follower of Jesus, a life of wholeness in Jesus is not just about doing strong things, not just about doing the right things, not just about getting it done, doing better, not just a bunch of rules. Sometimes we, we paint this picture of being a Christian. We, we, we at, the, at the, you know, the, the threshold, we're like, okay, you're welcome in, but you better do this, 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 this first. It's not it. Ryan said it a couple weeks ago when he was preaching. This idea of, of belonging before we believe and believing before we behave. Jesus walks up to people and he says, hey, follow me, tax collector. Follow me, adulteress. Follow me, fisherman. He doesn't say, hey, tax collector. Follow me, but first, renounce all your wicked ways. Give everything back to who they belong. Then, it, then you can then come find me. I'll be at... He doesn't say that. How many times do we, we find our strength in other things? We, we put rules in place. We're not, we're not standing on the, on the foundation, on the root of Jesus where he is enough. He is enough to bring change. And we say, look, God, you have already done it. That is the message of the gospel, that Jesus did it. He came. He did the rule thing. He did the obedience thing. And so that's why he could call people. And, of course, he cares about how we live. Of course, but it's not out of obligation or out of manipulation like quid pro quo. If you do this, then I will love you. That is prison. That's hell. That's death. So many of us are caught in that. We're just caught in it. We're, we, we, we have all these hoops around us and we say you jump through that one you jump through that one you if you want to be near me you want to be my friend if you want to follow Christ you want to be in our family it's the beauty of grace and we talked about it earlier in chapters one and two the beauty of grace is that it is undeserved love and favor that's the strength of being rooted in God's love it's this it's not eros love. It is agape love. It is, the, it is the highest form of love. It is the love that is self-sacrificing. He says it according to the riches of his glory and through his spirit. Look, it's all his. He's got it all. That's strength. That's what strengthens us. I mean, you see the guy hanging from the, this enormous tree, <laughs> The tree doesn't mind, and the tree is not in danger of blowing over. It's the right tree. You have to be connected to the right tree. And to ask yourself, where are the wrong trees that I'm looking for strength in? 
Where is it? Identify it. And give it back to him and say, God, look, I'm, I'm trusting in, in, this, in this root system that's d- digging deep into my family's behavior or my family's success or, you know, the next promotion, the next, the next step up on the ladder. I deal with this all the time, man. I want to I be successful. I want to look good. I want to sound good. I, I want you to like me. I care. And when I think that's threatened, it, it, I don't like it. And I find at times like my, my hope is just pulled into that. This, the root system is, is finding strength in, in your approval or my kid's approval or my wife's approval or who, who, you know, even strangers' approval. A scary world out there with social media, man. You, you say all kinds of things. People make comments. And no one's looking at me. But always concerned about it. Like, you know, what if, what if I said this and it gets taken out of context? Look, guys, I'm just revealing to you. I, I, I struggle with these things. And it's not just about, you know, my relationship to you here. It's, it's in all areas of life. My, my te- the temptation to find hope and strength in other things is real. And I need the reminder to go back to him, to be rooted and grounded, not in any of those things, but love. Not your love, but, but Christ's love. And so now we get to live for him because he lived for us. We, we, we give our lives for him because he gave his life for us. And he, didn't, he, he did what we couldn't do for ourselves. That's the bigness of God's love and what we need to be rooted in. And he prays, not that God would just give them strength, but that God would give them the, the <laughs> to begin to understand just the surface of God's love. He takes us to the next thing. It's not just for strength, it's for substance. What do I mean by substance? I mean nourishment, food. That's what roots do, right? They go in the ground, water gets in, nutrients, minerals. I don't know what things make trees get stronger. They need to eat and I was going to say, I'm no, but I know I'm not going to say the right word. I was going to say, botanist. I, I, I don't know what the right term is. I'm not a farmer. I just know there are good things that go up through the roots. Thank you. Roots give life. They give food. Look at what Paul says in verse 90. To know the love of God... Uh, There's no love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Verse 19, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. You see this funny dynamic Paul pulls on us? He's like, I want you, (laughs) I I want you to know that which is unknowable, and I want you to be filled with something beyond what you're capable of even being filled with. And we just think we got God figured out, man. We get a flat tire, we're like, God, you are dead. You are unloving, unmerciful. Take me now. He's like, he's like, I, I just want you to get to know just the tiniest portion about who God is, that you would start to, that you would know the unknowable, that you would, that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that's beyond what we can know. So he doesn't say, 
You can't know this. Don't come. He says, no, no, no. You won't know it all, but I want you to come, and I want you to learn. I want you to know. I want you to get to know me. I want you to be filled. Filled. Like, what are we filling ourselves with day in and day out? Man, you know, this, this thing happens in Russia, and, like, I see it happening in my house. The news comes on different, like multiple news sources are happening on different devices, and I just am like, we have to stop. Not because we don't care, but because it's too much. It's too much filling. Everybody's opinion, everybody's got, got something to say. And you see the foolishness, you see the craziness, you see the evil, you see the, 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 the people trying. I mean, everyone's trying to just figure it out. We, we, we cannot be rooted And the personalities that we find on cable news, on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. I mean, I can't even name them all. There's so much. We have a problem. We have got to continue to fill ourselves with the things that are going to root us in the right love of God. And if we, look, look. God is powerful and God works in you. But a lot of us, it's like, yeah, I'll take an hour of God on Sunday and I will take 16,000 hours of whatever else it is throughout the rest of the week. This wins. I'm not saying God's not powerful to overtake it, but God, God lets us, God gives us the things that we give ourselves to at times. And if you want to be a disciple of Tucker Carlson or Don Lemon or whoever the personalities are, I don't care which side it's on. We have massive issues because it won't solve the problems that we need solved here with the people sitting next to you in front and behind you, people at your job, people at your home, people. We need to be rooted and grounded in Christ. And it doesn't mean we turn our heads and you know, close our ears, close our eyes to the things going on in the world. No, absolutely not. Just take an evaluation of what you're filling yourself with. Take an audit. God wants you to go after him. He wants you to eat and drink and be filled. Be filled with the fullness of God. Do you feel full of God? Because that's the thing that will give you nourishment through the roots. That's what will give you life, and that's what will help you grow. Roots give surrender. Roots and surrender, the final connection point about roots. And this one maybe is a little poetic. Because here's what I mean. Being rooted and grounded in love means that we rely on God, we pursue God, we get filled with him, we know the unknowable, and then what do we do? We trust, man, we rest, we wait. The roots provide us the, the ability to just wait and to sit and to understand what God is doing, to trust him, to, to, to take our eyes off of the craziness around and say, God, what are you doing? I, I don't understand. This is painful. This is weird, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe because I'm rooted and grounded in you. My roots are strong, and therefore I am going to believe that you are Good and working out a good purpose. That's why Paul could say now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Far more. 
than all you can ask or think. I can think of a lot. I have a good imagination. I can dream big. Paul says he's going to do far more. Far more. Look, it doesn't mean that God's going to always do what you want. In fact, it usually will not be exactly what you want. But God will always do far more than we can imagine. But sometimes it's not what we want, and it's not when we want. And so we surrender our plans and wait. We surrender because we're rooted and wait for him to move and to act. I know sometimes we, if you're like me, I just want to get it done. I want to go fix the problem. Oh, there's a problem. I'm going to get after it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to fix whatever needs to be fixed. And sometimes it is just unfixable. And God says, I need you to just wait and trust me. I'm the big tree. You're rooted in, my, in me. Wait. Surrender your life. If we're really rooted and grounded in him, in his love, if we really hope and trust in his amazing, big, deep, long, wide love, then we will know that whatever he decides to do is ultimately for our best. See, we love the idea God can do anything, right? Far, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly. We use this verse and we're like, yes, God, we love it that you can do anything. You're going to do far more. But what we don't love is the path often God leads us on to get us there. This verse has been a huge source of strength for my wife and I over the 21 years we've been married. In the first five years, we couldn't have kids, and we were, we were leaning on this verse. God, you are able to do far more abundantly. Why are you not doing this for us? We would be good parents. We would, we would make, like, all these other people are getting pregnant. We were youth ministers at the time, and, like, we had, like, youth getting pregnant. And we're like, oh. One, you know, we felt like failures. And then two, like, what about us? God had us on a path. It wasn't the way I wanted it, man. It wasn't at all the way we would have planned for it. But then you look back and you say, wow, God, you're perfect. We surrendered our life to your plan. If you don't know, we do have kids now. 14, 13, and 10. Yep. for what you wish for. <laughs> now they are the best, the best. Look, the path God takes us on usually is difficult. Usually, most times, dare I say, always. <laughs> and we don't want that, but God's love is bigger than that. God's love is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think. This far more is he's able to bring a crazy diverse group of people and bring them together under one banner, under one standard of who Christ is. And that's why we need to be rooted and grounded in the right thing so that when the insanity of life hits us, we won't be swept away and we can surrender. We find in this root strength and substance and surrender. Are you surrendering your life to who God is? Are you rooted and grounded in him so that the, the, the difficult path will somehow, some way, sometime make sense? It may never make sense in this earth. And that's the challenge for us. Because we want it now, we want it fast, we want it clear, and sometimes it's just not. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Look, that's dealing with the root. 
quickly as I end here, I want you to understand what the fruit is of this. So when we are rooted and grounded in love, what's going to happen? Love is going to hang off of us. Okay, we're the tree. We're rooted and grounded in the tree. We're, we want the right fruit to come off. If your fruit is nasty, smelly, ugly, rotten, your root's wrong. You want to know if your fruit's wrong? Ask people around you. They're the ones eating it. I know it's scary, but do you want good fruit or not? Do you want to play games? Do we just want to all sit here and just be like, yeah, everything's great. Everything's fine. Look at my pretty children. They all obey. They, they sit with their hands folded. Look, I wear my nice outfit to church. And like, <laughs> look, we all know it's not fine. We're not fine. None of you are fine. I'm not fine. So, how do we evaluate if our fruit is bad? We have people around, man. That's the beauty of this. There's people around to help us fruit test. And it's much more accurate than me punching a couple names into a computer program that tells me how well, you know, I'm loving or not loving. You're going to find out quickly with people in your life. And you know what? We need to be ready to hear the, the, the ugly and the bad because we care that much because Christ is worth it. He did all of it. He died on the cross for you. That was the expression of love. You want to know what love is? Jesus said, no, there, greater love is no one than this. And someone laid down his life for his friends. Sacrificial. Jesus said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And then we hear that and we're like, that is so great because now I'm going to live my life to, to be served. And Jesus says, you're missing it. You're not rooted or grounded in my love. Are you living a life of service? Are you living a life of sacrifice? Are you living a life of laying it down for the sake of the people around you? Maybe the people that you don't even know. He says, love, that you would have, to, to be able to comprehend the love of Christ, that is, he gives dimensions, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. You see it? Is Christ dwelling in your hearts? Is the fruit that's coming off of you indicating this breadth, length, height, and depth. I want to give you an indication of what each of those words mean really quickly so that you can evaluate your life and your love. Look, God wants us to know his love, not just to be loving, but to know his love. That word knowledge, that knowing is intimate. It is more than just head knowledge. It is like you know it as well as you know. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So if, you're, if your neighbor, your brother, your friend, whoever gets an award and it's an award you wanted and you hate them for it, you're not loving them like you would yourself because if you won it, you'd be very happy and loving and, and glad for yourself, but they win it, you're not. Like these are the implications. And so when Paul says, I, I want you to apply this love, knowing God's love, it means applying his love. It means understanding it as best we can and applying it. And as we grow in love, in unity, it's uncomfortable, it's hard, it is challenging, it's vulnerable, but it is wide, it's long, it's high, it's deep. 
So we need love that's wide. You know what that means when he says it's wide? This is God's accepting love. It's wide. That's breadth. Wide. It's accepting, man. Arms are wide open. I am going to accept you. Jesus accepted you when you were his enemy. His love is wide. And still, now that you're part of his family, you still, we all, we sin against him and he loves us. He accepts us. Are you accepting people in your life? Is your love an accepting love? Or is it narrow and rigid? Nothing you have done is too bad and too beyond God's love for you. How are you with others? A love that is long. It's not just wide, it's long. You know what that means? It's lasting, it's enduring. It doesn't stop, never ends. There's no cancel button on God's computer and God's whatever God has. No, it, it doesn't end. God's love is eternal. It never ends. It never fades. It's hard to imagine, but he will never abandon you. He will never leave you. It doesn't matter how much you're doing for him or how much you've done against him, he will love you. How is your lasting love for others? Are you ready to pull the plug on relationships because it's just not meeting your need anymore? His love is high. A love that's high. This is God's lifting love. God lifted us from the ash heap, from the dead, from the grave. He, he lifted us up seated us at his table as a part of his family, as a child, a son, and a daughter. How are we loving those who are beneath us or who we see as beneath us? Is our love high and finally deep? When it says the depth of his love, it means his sacrificial love. God gave everything for you while you were his enemy, while you were dead in your sins, while you were nothing, God sacrificed himself so that you would have life and that you could experience this kind of love from him to you and then from you to others, to one another. Man, we need this. This is big. Jesus sacrificed everything and he forgave us. How deep is your love for others? You remember the tree I talked about earlier, the big redwoods? Well, one of the most fascinating things about these redwoods is that, yes, they grow up to be 500 feet, 400 feet high. Roots go 80 feet in all over the place. But what's amazing is that the roots are only one inch thick. Super narrow for a 400 foot tree, right? One inch in thickness, and they only go down about 12 feet. They only go down in the earth about 12 feet, which is really shallow for a tree that's almost 400 feet. Do you know why they can grow so big and live so long? Because they grow near each other. The root systems all intertwine and it goes out in this radial fashion. It doesn't go down too deep, but it goes strong together. That is a picture of us and God's love. Like we grow strong in his love together. You want to pull yourself apart and go try to be 400 foot tall tree on your own? It's not going to happen. That tree would fall if there weren't other trees around. We need to stay connected to him and to one another and we will experience the tremendous love of Christ.
Let's stand together. Father, let this go. Let this take deep root in us for your glory and our joy. Amen.